So there's this one shul every year they would come to the Parsha where Yankee would tell Yosef to go to his brothers and then they would throw him in a pit. This woman would scream out from the women's shul, Yosef, don't go! They're going to throw you into a pit! So one year finally, the Valkyrie, the one reading the Torah, he, he got tired of it. So he came up to that line and he waited. He stopped, let her do her disruption, finish, and then he'll go on. And he waits and it's silent. He waits still silent. So finally he turns to her and says, are you going to interrupt? And she says, no. He says, why not? She says, listen, he went last year. He went the year before. He went the year before that. If he's not going to learn, that's it. I'm tired of warning him. Parshish Maseh. Eila Maseh B'nei Yisrael. These are the journeys of the Jewish people. 42 jaunts in the wilderness. The Balshamtiv taught, it's brought to us in the Sefer of his grandson, the Degel Machne Ephraim, that the Masse B'nei Yisrael, these are the journeys of the Jewish people, are not just speaking collectively, historically, about the Jewish people who came out of Egypt and entered the Holy Land, but really, it's speaking to each and every one of us in every single time. Every single Jewish person will live out these 42 journeys. Leaving Egypt is birth. Entering the good wide land is when we leave the body after 120 and enter the world to come. And all the 40 journeys in between are all the different stations in life. All the different milestones, the things that happen to a person in a lifetime. So obviously this, big, this begs the question. Does that mean that life is scripted? Does that mean that life is already laid out and there's really no free choice? It's all predetermined. That's one question. Then there's another question. More specific question, which is, if our lives follow the 42 journeys in the desert, well, a lot of those journeys were connected with bad stuff. I mean failures, spiritual failures on the part of our ancestors. So basically, not only is my life scripted, but it's scripted to have a lot of failure, negative moments, lowlights, as opposed to highlights. So how am I supposed to understand that? So in order to begin to understand this, we have to understand the difference between potential and actuality. The truth is that every single one of those incidents that, that transpired in the desert at every one of those 42 stops could have been positive, had the potential to be glorious. And free choice is what determines which direction it will go. So there are two potential directions, a glorious moment or abysmal failure. But the potential there is for it to be glorious. For instance, I'll give you an example. One of the stops along the way is called Kivris Hataiva. Kivris Hataiva literally means the, the graves of craving. Why? Because the Jews were craving meat in an inappropriate way, in an animalistic way. And it led to, to many deaths, and many people died there. So they were buried by their lust. Graves of craving. 
Chassidus explains that really, potentially, that challenge, they could have overcome that. They could have conquered their lust instead of their lust conquering them. And then instead of being graves of craving, it would have been craving's grave. They would have buried craving. In Kivus Hataiva, the same name, same stop, same situation, same test, just instead of failure, it would have been passing with flying colors. So the potential there was for, for glory. I'll give you another example. The quintessential example. The greatest moral failure of the Jewish people in the 42 journeys and the greatest moral failure in history. On par with the sin of the tree of knowledge. The sin of the golden calf. How is that potentially good? How could have that have been good? That's, that's a, such an abysmal failure. Well, where did they get the idea of a golden calf? There are many explanations, but one of them is that at the time of the revelation at Sinai, Time, time of Matan Torah. The, the nation experienced mass prophecy. They were elevated to the levels of the greatest prophets. One of the things the great prophets saw was the Merkava, the celestial chariot. And one of the features of the Merkava, the celestial chariot, is the Pnei Shur, the face of the ox, which is really an angelic being, which metaphorically or symbolically has the face of an ox. The point is... That's the image they saw, which is a very lofty image. In fact, it's, it's in the Haftorah on, on Shavuos. When we read about the giving of the Torah, we read that, that prophecy of the, the, the Merkava, the chariot, with the, with the different faces on the chariot. Pnei the face of the ox. Now, later on, they misused that vision, and they turned it into the, the, merciful should, the merciful should protect us from such a, such a failure to, to, to turn that into an image of an idol. But, in its source, in its potential, it could have been an, an incredible thing. It could have been a glorious thing. It could have been, the golden calf didn't have to literally be a golden calf of idolatry, God forbid. It, it could have been in a completely different form. It could have been a completely different, the story, it's hard to, to, to even rewrite it because, you know, it, it didn't happen this way. But, in theory... It could have been something very holy, where they didn't make a, a golden calf, they didn't make a, a statue, there was no idol worship. It was something very holy and pure, and uh, you know, very God-conscious, involving their, their vision of seeing the, the face of the ox on the side of the, of the chariot, but with no idolatry whatsoever. To the contrary, only worship of God. It could have been. Not only it could have been, it should have been. Except, there's free will, and so that's not what happened. Now, I want to get a little bit more pointed into the example of Cheta Egel, of the golden calf, um, and bring out an example from an actual figure in history who had his own golden calf moment. When our sages talk about sinners, when they talk about someone who was a real failure morally, the quintessential example they hold up is Yerovim ben Nevat, Jeroboam, the king. It says in Pirkei Ovis, he, he's an example of a guy who can't even do tshuva. Choytu, machtia, serabim, he sinned, he made others sin. How did he sin? How did he make others sin? He was jealous, there was a schism, there were two kingdoms. The Beis Hamikdash, the holy temple, was in the other kingdom. He didn't want his subjects going to the other kingdom. So he built a competition with the Beis Hamikdash, Lahavdul, and he built an idol, a golden calf. An abysmal failure, a terrible, terrible, terrible sin, the worst sin possible. 
And uh, the question is, you know, did it have to be that way? Did your them have to be such a moral failure? And the answer, obviously, we, we've just said, no, it didn't have to be this way. It could have been completely different. Let me tell you where, where Yeruvim comes from. Let me tell you a little bit about his background. You know who Yeruvim's Chavrusa was, his study partner? Achia Shalaini. Achia was someone who went out from Mitzrayim. He was a child when he went out from Mitzrayim. Later on, he was the teacher of Elioh Navi. Elioh Navi, the great Elijah the prophet. He learned from Achia Shalaini. And Yeruvim was Chavrusa, he was study partners with, with Achia. And it says, the Gemara tells us, that when Achia Shalaini used to learn with Yeruvim ben Navat, Yeruvim was so sharp in his studies that we'd study the laws of sacrifices, of Kachim, and every halacha, Yeruvim would bring out 103 novel interpretations, 103 chidushim from every halacha. Now what's 103? Why 103? It's a funny number. You know what 103 is? The Gematria? Eagle. Calf. Ayin is 70. Gimel is 3. Lamed is 30. 70 plus 3 plus 30. 103. Well, hold on a second. So what does that mean? That means even back when he was good, when Yerovim was still holy and he was still studying Torah and he was Echiel Shalani's friend, you see the seeds of the evil that came out later. The 103, the calf, was already, it was always there all along. No, no, no. No, it's the opposite. It's the exact opposite. From the fact that you can see the 103 was there from the beginning, you see what it should have been, what it could have been, the glorious potential it had. Now he squandered that potential, and, and he did the worst possible sin, and it turned into a golden calf. But just like the Jewish people, the golden calf didn't have to be the golden calf. It could have been the Pnei Sher on the Merkava, the face of the ox on the side of the chariot. They didn't have to squander it. They didn't have to, 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 to drop the ball. So you see with your oven, his connection to, to the golden calf didn't have to be the golden calf. It could have been Eagle in the sense of 103 novel interpretations of every halacha. What's the point? The point is like this. Let's take it personal. Think of your moment of greatest spiritual failure. I don't, I don't want to cause anyone any pain, but for the purposes of growth, for a moment... Not beat yourself up. It's not the time right now. This is not Cheshben and Nefesh time. We're not making a moral inventory. But for the purposes of reflection at this moment, think of your moments that you are appalled at yourself about. The, 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 the thoughts where you, it's more than cringeworthy. Where you are ashamed of the person who you were. Your lowest moments. Not your lowest moments where people caused you pain. I'm not talking about that. That's a different subject for a different time. I'm talking about your lowest moments where you were the culprit and you're ashamed and you're appalled at yourself. I want to tell you something. That lowest moment of your life could have been the most glorious moment of your life. It didn't have to become a downfall. It could have been an amazing success with just a different choice. It would have been... Think about that. Your moment of failure could have been your moment of breakthrough that would have lifted you up to such a powerful level. Coulda, shoulda, woulda. Now we're all feeling regretful. We're feeling mournful. We're feeling remorse. That's not my point. Because I want to finish. I want to tell you something. The fact that that moment of failure could have been a moment of glory means this. 
it still can be a moment of glory. Because in potential it was good all along, and we messed it up, but only temporarily. We can go back and we can get it, we can retrieve it, we can transform it. We can reclaim it. How can we reclaim it? Because all along, really, it was positive. It was, it was positive all along. It was always supposed to be good. Okay, so we messed it up. But we can go back and reclaim the inherent positivity, the potential that was there. And that is through what's called teshuva. Teshuva me'ahava. Returning to Hashem out of love. And when we do that, even wanton culprit sins, where we, were, we, were, we purposely sinned, we were rebelling, the worst of the worst of the worst, can be transformed not only to be canceled out, but to become merits. Why? Because when we look back and we see, how did I let something separate me from Hashem? It pains me so much I let something separate me from Hashem. And that pain becomes the springboard to greater sensitivity and greater vigilance, where we are so careful to nurture the precious bond that we have with Hashem. And if we had never been cut off like that, we would never today cherish so much our connection. So this moment of failure becomes a moment of glory. becomes transformed from negative, the lowest moment of your, real, of your life, through teshuva to a springboard to totally new growth. And the reason it's able to become transformed into something positive, because really all along that's what it was. Except that we squandered it temporarily for the moment. But all along it was really positive. Could have been positive and, and, and will become positive. And of course... This lesson is connected to the three weeks right now that we're in, the three weeks of mourning, which the Rambam Paskins is a matter of halacha in Hilchus Tainius, that these days of mourning will be transformed into Yemei Sosin V'Simcha. The fact that the Jewish people fell so low in the time leading up to the destruction of the Temple only shows us how it could have been a time of such high accomplishment. They fell low because that was commensurate and proportionate to the potential for soaring high. It was the lowest because it could have been the highest. And since it could have been the highest, this is the lesson for today, it still can be the highest. And so the destruction, the churban, the gullus, the exile, can become redemption and rebuilding and the perfection of the world. Mashiach. Because really that's what it was all along, except temporarily we got sidetracked because a free choice which Hashem gives us. But we can use that same free choice to go back and reclaim it and rechannel it and, and, and take hold of the potential that was always there all along. And once we realize this, what do we realize? As we go through the 42 journeys of life, whatever journey you're on, whatever number you're on, you have a certain number of journeys behind you. And you have a certain number of journeys ahead of you. So here are the rules. Whatever journeys we were already on, if we didn't do what we were supposed to do, we go back and we change it through teshuva, teshuva me'ava, repentance out of love. And whatever journeys we weren't yet on that we're going to approach, we're going to be so careful, so exceedingly careful to bring out that only the positive scenario should come out. So I'll, I'll close with a story. There was a shidduch between Rabbi Yisrael Ruzhener and Rabbi Tzvi Hershir And the two potential or prospective uh, got together, they sat down and 
the Ruzhina started and he says, in our circles, when we talk about a Shidduch, the first thing we do is we discuss Yichos. So I'll tell you my Yichos is that I'm the great-grandson of the Magid of Mezrich, the grandson of Avram der Malach, my great-uncle is Reb uh, Nochem Chernobyler, my uncle is Reb Motel Chernobyler. What's your Yichos? So Reb Tzvi Hersh said, my Yichos? My parents died when I was five, and my relatives couldn't support me. So they apprenticed me out to a tailor. And I was raised by this tailor. He was a simple guy. And uh, basically, I, you know, I had room and board in exchange for working in the tailor shop. And that was my upbringing. But I'll tell you, from my upbringing as the tailor's apprentice, I learned two things. Alte Sachen darf man verrichten und neue Sachen darf man nicht kalje machen. Old things need to be fixed and new things have to be protected from being spoiled. <laughs> Fix the old and take care of the new. Rabbi Yisrael Ruzhina heard this, he said, a good shidduch. As we go through the 42 journeys, Whatever journeys are behind us, fix the old. Whatever journeys are ahead of us, take such care of the new. Every moment is potential glory. That's what it was designed for. That's what it was meant to be.